Hello, hello, hello. Hi. This is the last episode of At Love. The remix. Wiki, wiki. Wiki, wiki, woo, woo. <laughs> anyway, tis the last episode, which is indeed sad, but also it's time. So obviously we watched Sozin's Comet part one through four. Obviously. Although not gonna lie, when we were watching it, I was like, what does part one bring to the table? Absolutely nothing. I truly, until we watched it, thought we were gonna be watching two through oh, four. What? Cause I was like, oh, one out of the question. <laughs> Like for for so long, I was like, okay, well maybe part one has some substance because that's when he talks to all the previous avatars. But that happens in part two, and I was like, wait yep. a second, what? The only thing that happens in part one is Ozai goes, "I'm the Phoenix King," and then he just puts on like way too many capes and helmets and embarrassing yeah, fuck things. That. So, kind of embarrassed that we watched part one, because we really didn't need to. But once part two started, because it starts with them, I think, talking to June, right? And I was like, actually, it would have been kind of weird to start here. So it makes sense that we started with one. And one through four, it was a neat kind of like about 90 minutes. And I was like, cool. It's like watching a children's movie. Yeah, speaking of which, let's go to Netflix where I will read the synopsis for the last time. So sad, rip. Ah yes, book three. Sozin's Comet is episode 16 of book three. And in the climactic series final, Zuko confronts Azula and Aang finally faces the Fire Lord. Did it say series final? Huh? Not finale? Oh, I think it did say finale, but I just did oh. not read it correctly. Bruh, yeah, so right off the bat, why does it only say Zuko and Aang? I mean, that's pretty much what it is. Oh, wait, Sokka, Suki, and Toph. Yeah. And oh, like... snubbed again. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, kind of feels bad, but we can we can get into that. Mm. Honestly, is there anything to say about part one, like, positive things to say about part one? Um, I like their outfits. (laughs) That's, like, the meme that's, like, beautiful gowns, though. Mm -hmm. It's just... I, I mean, you know, I think it's fun that they have, like, a nice little beach party. Um, Sokka's sand sculpture looks cute. Mm-hmm. Um, the watermelon juice looks so yummy. Yeah. Toph got good at sand bending. She really did get so good at it. And okay, that's all that... I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, really... I feel like we keep saying, like, dang, we've watched this series a hundred times, but watching it this time, like, specifically trying to look at it with a critical eye, you just start to see these giant kind of, like, weaknesses. And part one, I just thought it was kind of boring, but it never really bothered me. But on this watch, we were both like, wait, what? That makes no sense. That makes no sense. Where is this coming from? And, like, thinking about the plot with a more, I don't know, like, critical eye, I guess. I sound so 
pompous. Like, I feel gross <laughs> when I say that. But anyway, we were like... Claire's like, can you tell that I go to an Ivy League university? Anyway, we were watching it and we were like, <laughs> this motivation makes no sense. Why wouldn't, like, Zuko tell them about the Fire Lord's plan? Why wouldn't the gang tell Zuko that they weren't planning on killing the Fire Lord till after the comet? Like, all these things. And then the way Zuko deals with it is, like, saying nothing. Just burning down a bunch of trees in the house and stuff. And, like, attacking Aang. And just... Aang meditates and then, for some reason, climbs onto a lion turtle. Like, every single thing is so out of the blue. Yeah, especially because, like, you know how it's a big thing, um in movies and tv shows where it's like they start a conversation and they go on a long journey and then they like automatically resume the conversation and you're like what you guys didn't talk about this the entire time like i feel like that's like a pass you know because i'm like well for like plot convenience and like all that stuff it makes sense for them to pick it up when we're like watching them but like in this case i feel like it doesn't like make sense even for like plot convenience why Zuko wouldn't tell them about like the big bad evil plan that Ozai has and it doesn't really make sense why the gang doesn't tell him that they're postponing the final showdown it's honestly a little bit annoying I feel like the writers want us to be like ah a classic miscommunication lack of communication but those are really big things and also exactly the the exactly the sort of thing that they would talk about And I don't know why people think miscommunication is a fun little cliche. It's not fun. It's so annoying when it's like they just can't communicate or it's like one person thinks one thing but it's actually like the other. Like especially since, I don't know, the balance of the world is at stake. Wouldn't it make more sense for everyone to be on the same page? Yeah. And isn't it like three days before- This is, I'm getting riled up just (laughs) thinking about it. Yeah. And then not only is the idea behind it kind of whack, aka like the motivations don't make sense, but also the way they execute it is truly insane. Truly insane. Like, (laughs) I just think it's so crazy. Zuko's like, man, I'm angry that they're not taking this seriously, so I'm just gonna go and try to kill Aang. Like, I don't really get what they wanted me to do as the viewer. Like, was I supposed to be like, oh no, something bad is happening. What could it possibly be? Like, I'm racking my brain, like, why, blah, blah, blah. But when I'm watching it, I'm like, wait, what? What's happening right now? Zuko's like chasing him all around. I'm like, hmm? Okay. Hmm? Yeah, like, am I supposed to be like, wow, it came full circle? Like, no, this is just so silly. And if anything, it's like a regression almost. Because, I don't know, I think that a big part of, like, Zuko's trauma, you know, was that his dad gave him that scar to quote-unquote teach him a lesson. Mm -hmm. And he's like, that was cruel and, like, that's bad. Mm -hmm. And he literally uses that same language when Aang's like, what are you doing? Zuko's like... I'm trying to teach you a lesson. Wow, I'm tea. like, who is this? We don't stand. Zuko, stop. That's a great point. Not only the execution of that, but also, like, once they realize, oh, shit, like, Aang definitely needs to fight the Fire Lord before the comet, what do they do? Train with Melon Lord? That part's kind of weird. I'm like, this feels like I don't need to give it my full attention. And then what happens? Aang sleepwalks to the lion turtle. 
and then no one can find him? It's all very strange. I'm like, where did they come up with these ideas? It's just like out of pocket. Yeah, honestly, I just think part one is overall super weak. Like, does it end with Aang sleepwalking? Yeah. And then they wake up and they're like, where is he? It ends with them um, walking into the bar where June is. Oh, okay. Um, Another thing is that it's so unclear that Aang is, like, sleepwalking. Oh, so true. (laughs) It's like the first time I watched it, I was like, what is he doing? Why is he being all mysterious? Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oh. That was him. Like, yeah, and then, just like, I don't know if this is part one or two, but then when he's like on the island and he's like, where am I? I'm like, what? Why did you do that? You walked here and then what? I don't get it. Yeah. So unclear. Like, I, I, okay, even knowing like the full scope of it, it still doesn't really make sense. Like, I guess it's supposed to be like, oh, the lion turtle like called out to him and he like was drawn to it but um the whole thing that really gets on my nerves about like this whole lion turtle thing is that it really feels like it came out of nowhere and i know that Mm -hmm. like when you rewatch the show you can be like oh look little hidden lion turtles are sprinkled throughout the series but that's so different than them taking the time to set it up throughout the series so that when it finally comes to fruition in the finale we're like oh hey you know this has been set up throughout the series yeah like why would they choose like really why would they choose to end it this way like what really all there are their alternatives their alternatives are i mean okay i i i don't know if this is like something they thought about and they're like well he already went to the spirit world so many times throughout the series so let's spice it up a bit but why couldn't he go to the spirit world and talk to a higher being in the spirit world like what i mean okay wait i do like i think we're in part two territory now but i do like the part when he's on the lion turtle when he realizes he can call forth his past lives and like I guess project them in front of him to talk to them and pass them their wi- pass him their wisdom, um, and like I feel like that wouldn't be as like interesting or awesome if he were in the spirit world just like finding his past lives and like ooh bumped into them whoa what's up, um, but I do think that that main knowledge of like the energy bending or whatever it is that the lion turtle says to him completely unintelligibly. Um, that could definitely happen in the spirit world. Like, he could be in the physical world, call forth his past lives and talk to them, still be stuck, and then, like, go into the spirit world and get that knowledge. I don't know. Yeah. Um, the reason why I also think that it would be good for Aang to go into the spirit world rather than him sleepwalk and swim to an island (sighs) that's actually a lion turtle is because, like, the way that it's set up is that he's meditating already so if the gang were Mm -hmm. to find him like his body they would be like okay he's in the spirit world and they would be like oh but it's okay like he'll come back but i think it would be good for the entirety of part two ang is Mm -hmm. in the spirit world and 
it becomes like a conflict where the gang is like, why isn't he coming back yet? Why isn't he coming back yet? So they still have to go find Iroh because they're like, what if Aang is like trapped in the spirit world? They're like, what if we can't get him back in time? So we need to have that part two set up just in case, you know? So there's still that conflict where they go and find the Order of the White Lotus, but it's not totally just like BS where they have to spend that like five minutes being like, where's Aang? Let's go search for him and stuff like that. Yeah, they, like, see the Ember Island player Mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I did bring up, like, oh, maybe they did it this way because otherwise, like, what's the natural way to get Zuko to find Iroh? Because it seems like he's like, oh, shit, like, Aang is not here. We need a plan B. Basically Mm -hmm. what you just said. But, yeah, that plan B thing is not contingent on Aang sleepwalking to a lion turtle. Yeah, there are other ways to get to that endpoint where the gang has to go find like a plan b aka iroh and the white lotus i just think that like um i i almost feel as though the creators all all throughout the series they knew what they wanted for the finale like they had different moments that they were like okay we want like zuko and katara to fight azula and then it's Mm -hmm. like we want the white lotus to come into play and we want ang to learn like energy bending but i think Mm -hmm it was hard for them to piece together how to get to those points, which Mm -hmm. is why it's like, those points are still awesome in their own right, but when we Mm -hmm. look at how they get there, it feels shaky and like a little awk. So lack. Yeah. I actually wonder, like, whoever wrote that episode, I wonder if they look at it and are like, yep, that is how I wanted it to happen. Sucks that the reception was not that great. Or if they were like... Hmm, I wonder if I can come up with something better, but the deadline's approaching, time to make the show. Yeah, I guess that always is, like, the big question. But it's not like they can, like, change it retroactively, so it's Mm -hmm. fine. Yeah, I feel like the Lion Turtle is a classic complaint about this show. Um, But, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. It could could be worse. Mm, Another thing that kind of, like, is weird about the Lion Turtle is, like it was just there like it just came out of nowhere he was like oh you want some wisdom uh here's some mumbo jumbo and i'm gonna place you exactly where i know Ozai's gonna exactly come, so yeah just stay there <laughs> that's funny i do have to say i kind of like how they bring up the lion turtles again in Korra because it really does like smooth out the wrinkles so i kind of like fully understand their purpose i just think that it's it's a little silly okay. that they have to be Here's like... the thing, though. Mm-hmm. This is the tea. In Korra, sure, they bring back up the lion turtles, they talk about Avatar 1, and it sort of, like, smooths out the wrinkles, right? But it's very obviously a move to save their own butts from the number one complaint about Atla, right? Because yeah. if you think about the lion turtle story, it, like, directly negates some of the stuff that was brought up in Atla that was, like said to be true in atla like all this talk about like oh the waterbenders learned from the moon the airbenders learned from the bison the earthbenders learned from the badger moles and the fire nation learned from the uh dragons what that all goes down the drain and actually we're supposed to be like just kidding a lion turtle gave it to them and then boom firebending well i i know i like i think well like the first earthbenders are supposed to be oma and shu right mm-hmm did Oma and Shu meet the lion turtles first and they turn into the first earthbenders and that ties in well with the story that we find in Atla? 
I don't know about that. Well, I just think that, like, the way that I understand it is that the lion turtles gave them the ability. But, you know, having the ability and learning to bend are two different things. So it's like they had the ability to bend, but they needed the teachers to show them how to bend the way that we see in the show. And, like, the natural teachers were, like, the moon, the badger moles, etc., you know? I can accept it, but thin ice, bro. Thin ice. What? I think it's totally okay. But, I mean, you're right. It's so obvious that the creators were like, crap, we need to find a way to, like, save our asses. And, like, Cora, let's do this, Mm -hmm. you know? Which makes me Um, reluctant to accept it. I think it's fine. (laughs) I just think that it's, like, Because, you know, I think it would have been so much better if they had been able to, like, I don't know, have Aang go to the spirit world. Because then at least we're like, we've seen this before. Mm -hmm. Like, this makes sense. I wonder if there's, like, something about him going to the spirit world that they wanted to avoid. Like, like maybe they were like, no, I don't want, like, I want it to happen in the physical world. Or, like, I want, I was going to say Aang to figure it out for himself, but that is not what he does. (laughs) Like, yeah. Oh, you know what we should talk about? We should talk about how he gets guidance and wisdom from each of his past lives. I love that sequence. I love it. I think it's, like, beautifully written and beautifully executed. It's, like, so obvious that all the little blurbs from each avatar exist kind of in parallel, you know? Like, the, I offer you this wisdom, Aang. I love it. I think it's beautiful. Okay, yeah, okay. Uh, My brain is working so hard right now. I think that the him talking to like Avatar Yang Chen and her giving him that wisdom is kind of what I mean when I wanted the Mm -hmm. lion turtle thing, like the concept to be within the spirit world so it's easier to digest because you know him talking to his previous selves like that isn't something new. We see him talk to Roku, we see him talk to Kiyoshi, Um, but like. We've never seen it past those two, right? Mm -hmm. So when he's like, oh, I'll just call forward like an air nomad. I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. this is something we haven't seen, but like it makes sense. And then when she comes forward, it's like a Mm -hmm. new figure giving him like, I guess it's not really new Mm -hmm. information, but in the context, it's like something that we haven't really heard because we've never had that air nomad perspective. So then it's like new. And then it's like, all tied together because I know in my head like okay this situation makes sense and so I am able to like really understand her like guidance to him mm-hmm. therefore I think it's good versus lion turtle I'm like it's mm-hmm. okay yeah okay I see um yeah when he talks to Roku it like makes me a little uncomfortable how he's like listen to this wisdom when I was something with Sozin, I was like, wait, we already did this. <laughs> I was like, useless. And then Kiyoshi was like, yeah, honestly, you just have to be a fucking savage. And I was like, oh, useless, but cool. <laughs> and then Aang goes, oh, I knew I shouldn't have asked Kiyoshi. And then Kuruk, that guy, inherently useless. Also, I thought his name was Karuk, but it's like Kuruk. What was it? Kuruk. I don't know. I forgot, but I was surprised at the pronunciation. But, wow, Yang Chen, especially because that's the, 
I guess we've seen Monkey Yatso, but that's really the only other time we've heard like the opinion of an airbender in this whole show, which I guess is the whole point, right? But he's like, like what she says to him is so, so kind of like scary. Like all it does is amplify the hard position that he's already in. And she's like, I know, like you are like the star student you live by what the monks taught you and you're very true to it but you're not just an air nomad monk like you're the avatar and you can never ever ever be exactly like all the other monks because of that like a lot of monks like when they reach their highest i don't know what to say like level of achievement i guess they completely detach themselves from the world but that's literally something you can never do in fact your only attachment should be to the world oh that is such a scary thing to hear because already he's like so alone in this world right and even if he weren't alone even if all his people were still alive he would still be completely alone it's just like awesomely written i mean obviously that's very sad for ang but that is awesomely written (laughs) and he's like fuck like there's nowhere else to turn i like really have to kill ozai damn but then the land turtles like don't worry i got you (laughs) i know that's the thing it kind of makes me a little bit sad because you know it it's almost like the energy bending is like a way out for a so he he doesn't really have to make this really terrible decision because it's almost like there's already a decision that he like he doesn't have to make a hard choice Mm -hmm. you know um i was also thinking when you're talking about like how he really is like alone in all this Mm -hmm. i think that when he realized he was like the last airbender Mm -hmm. he had like a lot of guilt because you know he ran away Mm -hmm. and all that stuff and he wasn't there to like protect his people Mm -hmm. and um he must be carrying like so much guilt so that's why it really makes a lot of sense why he embraces his culture so much it's because like if he doesn't it will die off and then the fact that Avatar Yang Chen, who should understand why he, like, is so proud of his heritage and, like, why he holds so strongly onto those beliefs, um, it's, like, so sad that she basically tells him he he can't, he needs to basically abandon his beliefs because that's his duty to the world. Yeah. Um, it's really sad. It's so sad. And then... But what's so confusing, like, why is it the only option, or what Aang assumes to be the only option, is that he has to kill Ozai? Yeah, that is so true. That's something else that kind of comes up in part one, where they're like, you have to kill him, you have to kill him. And we were watching it being like, wait, does he have to kill him, though? Can't he just put him in jail (laughs) and they're like oh this is so hard you have to kill them he's like i can't i have to find something else they're like no you have to and we're like okay but wait does he is this conflict a non-problem especially given the fact that you know they're still like kids and i think it's a little much to ask a 12 year old to fully murder someone especially a buff grown man yeah, it's like Katara couldn't even bring herself to kill the man who murdered her mother. Yeah. Or not just that. I think, like, in Korra, you know, there's a lot of killing. But I don't think 
any of the kids kill the adults. Mm. Like, it's always an adult killing another adult. Mm. So, I don't know why everyone's so fixated on Aang having to kill the Fire Lord. That's some BS. Yeah. I mean, that's, like, kind of the first step that you have to accept before you can sort of, like, get wrapped up in this, like, inner conflict he has. And I think that the inner conflict is, like, so interesting and, like, emotional and stuff that I'm like, mm, okay, I'll just accept that part because I want to. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's true. It's, it's pretty random. Like, couldn't they just knock him out and then put him in the cooler for eternity? <laughs> with Chitsang! Yes, with Chitsang! <laughs> but actually, Chitsang's out he of escaped, prison. So. so, not with Chitsang. You know, as much as... What can I say? As much as it's disappointing that the lion turtle gives him, like, an easy out from the hard decision, and as much as it would it's easy to be like, yeah, writing 101, the more compelling ending is him being like, oh shit, like, I killed him. Now what do I do with this information? Or like, you know, like, the, the more compelling ending would be him dealing with the harder choice. But I feel like for a series finale, and especially for a kid's show, for a series finale to end on a note like that, like, if Aang had killed the Fire Lord, that would have just open the floodgates to a whole other side of life for him right like that would that's the beginning of a story so like if there were like i don't want to say this but anyway if there were like another book after it after this part then i would be like okay then you can spend that book exploring all that comes with ang having to like kill someone even though it's completely against his beliefs but knowing that it is the series finale i'm fine with them kind of like fudging it a little bit giving him an easy out and tying it up neatly because if they were to do the other thing have him deal with that big thing and then be like okay show over i would be like what <laughs> so I'm yeah like, i think it actually is whatever. pretty okay especially because like seeing it play out it's very satisfying you know everything kind of comes to an end um I, I was, like, thinking about mm-hmm. other children's shows, novels, ETC, and I think, like, a big mm-hmm. thing is that in a lot of cases, it does end with, like, the big bad villain biting the dust, you know? Like, in Harry Potter, Voldemort dies, which I guess mm-hmm. that's kind of, like, an iffy one because mm-hmm. it becomes much more mm-hmm. adult in the later books. But even in Percy Jackson, you know, the main antagonist mm-hmm. is basically terrible like (laughs) i don't even know how to phrase it but the way that it ends is that like he kind of becomes this morally gray character where he like gives up his physical body for i guess satan the equivalent to satan to like control and then when he's like in that power he realizes Mm -hmm. that he like made a mistake so percy gives him a knife and he ends up like taking his own life to save everyone um, and I think that, like, mm. with Atla, it's so difficult because it rides that fine line of, like, is it a kid's show or is it, like, mature? And with this decision being to, like, mm-hmm. not kill the Fire Lord, it's, like, satisfying, but also there's a part of me where I'm kind of just, like, mm, eh. like, it doesn't feel like it's really like fulfilled you know i don't know why i mean like i honestly don't think that Mm. 
death is necessarily like the answer but at the same time it's just like so hard for me Mm -hmm. to kind of like accept that the fire lord gets to live when he did all these terrible things it's almost like Aang was too lenient I feel like yeah I think mm, I forget that the fire lord like when he's standing on his airship like firebending that huge like thing of fire I'm like oh shit I forgot that this guy is like like how horrible he is that he's like right here standing at the edge of the earth kingdom ready to just burn the whole thing to the ground and kill everyone in it right because like my attitude toward Ozai the character is like wow this guy sucks he can't do shit so when he's like like not dead and Aang just like takes away his bending and he's like bleh bleh flopping around I'm like haha okay cool I don't really care like is he the villain I forgot about him but then when I like remember oh okay like as the fire lord and as the leader of the fire nation army like all these things that he's like encouraged I'm like oh shit like he just gets to sit in a prison cell and get three meals a day he's not even like in the boiling rock he's in the same jail iroh was in yeah what the fuck i know the imperial prison yeah anyway we spent so long talking about ang and ozai when truly there's nothing there like compared to the other meaty moments there's like not that much there they have a really sick fight and that's cool um but all that stuff is kind of wispy and i'm like whatever i'll just accept it because i guess it's the main plot line but it's not what i'm truly invested in i'm just gonna let that resolve out while i focus my energy on the other parts so what do you want to talk about claire kimnerita um let's do zuko and azula and katara okay cool i like azula's demise I like watching Azula's demise. Oh, what? Her quick descent. Okay. It just feels mean to say it. <laughs> like, honestly, Azula deserved a little better. That poor girl. But anyway, she's really evil also, so. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting to see how stepping into the role of Fire Lord kind of amplified everything times a thousand for her like before she must have been thinking so much about how may and tylee betrayed her but it didn't really have a chance to come up but as soon as she was like elevated into this role of fire lord she dismissed everybody i feel like it also makes sense just like how the timeline works you know Mm -hmm. you know she could have dismissed everyone after they did her hair just saying (laughs) (laughs) Um, big question, big question, big questionino. Um, so what do you think about the scene where she's doing her own hair and she like sees Ursa in the mirror? Mm, can you ask a more specific question? God damn. Okay. So no, like, cause I don't really know. I'm not sure really. A lot of people when discussing Azula's childhood, Mm, they almost seem to vilify Ursa, where they're like, you know, her favoritism with Zuko is similarly similarly abusive in that, like, you know, it, it kind of forced Azula towards Ozai and, like, wanting to be close to Ozai because she's, like, dismissed by Ursa. And then it's like, seeing Ursa in that scene where she tells Azula, like, no, I love you. Like, what do you think that... Did that contribute to, like, the demise? Or, like, was that, like, her trying to 
make amends and right what do you think that is such a hard question like I I truly don't know because I think what I would want to know is what role Azula thinks she had in Ursa's banishment like because if Azula is feeling like if Azula feels like she had a role in Ursa getting banished then maybe that's like guilt coming up and she's realizing like in in this time when she feels like everyone in the world is turning against her and so she's getting rid of them as quickly as she can maybe it's her being like yeah and and even my mom even my mom was turning against me so i i helped get rid of her and that moment might be her being like but but was my mom against me like even my even my mom and i think probably in her mind the first person who turned against her in her life is like her mom but i feel like she might be questioning like is that even true and then if that's not true then what does it mean about all these other people and i feel like that might be like this tipping point in her mind right now like did my mom turn against me or not and i feel like that's in my mind what comes up when she sees ursa in the mirror and ursa says i love you and i think like if if Azula were to realize or to accept that Ursa really did love her and wasn't really actively turning against her, then I don't think she would be able to handle that piece of information. So she like throws the brush and the mirror breaks. What do you think? It's like when watching that scene, you know, it makes me think about the beach where Azula is like, even my own mother thought that mm-hmm. I was a monster but and she uses the same phrasing in this yeah scene. but notice how yeah. the emotion is very different like when she mm-hmm. says it in front of the fire during the beach it's almost mm-hmm. like she's like yeah you know my mom thought that I was a monster and she almost seems sad by it but then like mm-hmm. when she says it to Ursa it's almost like a challenge she, she's like you know you mm-hmm. thought I was a monster and like I am a monster and stuff like that like, she mm-hmm. wants Ursa to acknowledge that she's a monster. Mm-hmm. Which it's like, which one is it, you know? Mm-hmm. Is it, like, for so long she was, like, really upset by it? So now that she has the chance to finally, like, confront her mother, she, like, wants her mother to prove her right and be like, yeah, right, like, you always thought I was the demon child. Like, say it to me so then I feel okay with acting Mm -hmm. or continuing to act the way that I've always acted but then with Mm -hmm. like Ursa telling her like no you know like I love you like you're like my daughter Mm -hmm. it's because this is all coming from Azula's I guess mind Mm -hmm. none of this is real so we don't Mm -hmm. really know what Ursa thinks but we do know that Azula wants to believe that her mother really did love her right so I think it's hard. But at the same time, I also think she wants to believe that her mother... Like, it, it would make everything easier if her mother was like, yeah, no, you're a monster. Exactly. Yeah. The trap. So it's like... it's that's. I think that's why she throws the brush, because she doesn't know what she wants, but she just knows that she can't really deal with that in this moment. Or it's, like, Mm -hmm. too much at this point. It's, like, Mm -hmm. the information that she kind of wants to know, you know, it's almost like getting the answer will either push her over the edge or will, like, stop her from total, you know, mental breakdown. 
Yeah. I think in this moment, what Azula is facing might be similar to what Zuko faced when he came back to the Fire Nation. Um, But Zuko had kind of been grappling with this for, like, years, right? But for Azula, it all kind of, like, rushes in at once. It being, well, now I theoretically have everything I ever wanted, but what next? And I feel like Azula is realizing that her whole life she's been barreling toward something. And now that she kind of reached it in front of her, there's this void, And, like, with everything that her dad is doing, which she, by the way, instigated, being, like, let's burn down the entire Earth Kingdom, it's, like, if you're gonna burn down the fucking Earth Kingdom, like, where does it stop? Like, either she has to go stretch herself to infinity, which is impossible, or she has to stop, but if she stops, like, what does that even mean? She never in her life has had to stop or do something opposite of what her instincts told her to do, and her, like, I guess natural ability natural ability always let her go like 150 percent in the direction she's always been going so to stop would be like this insane change and she'd probably fall ill like Zuko did in book two so I feel like she's just like really teetering on the edge here and like that's obvious from everything that happens Zuko goes I don't know what it is but she seems a little off and it like pans to Azula she's like flopping around (laughs) her hair is like crazy crazy. (laughs) Zuko's like she's slipping (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know I really think um there's this like whole debate on like oh should Azula get a redemption arc and I think this Mm kind of is her redemption arc is it not Mm -hmm. like yeah I don't know I, I think that she's definitely a morally gray character, but I already know everything that I need to know. I don't need to mm-hmm. see her make, like, a full recovery, and suddenly she's like, I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. That's, like, again, this is a starting point for the next phase of whatever Azula's story is, but this show is not Azula's story. It's Aang's story, and Aang's story, at least this part of it, is coming to a close. And so if that's where Azula is in her story at the time, then that's where she is. And to, like, be like, no, we needed, like, time focused on Azula to make this recovery, which we already see her begin, right? The fact that she's confronting this in the final episode, we know that that's the projected future. That's enough. Yeah, if anything, I think if they... Because a lot of people are like, oh, instead of them doing um, a live-action series, I would much rather have a book four where they, like, delve more into Azula's redemption. And a part of me is kind of like, I guess that would be cool in theory, but I I don't want to see her storyline wrapped up with a big bow because Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that's how life really works. And, you know, for Zuko, he really was the blueprint that redemption arc that was so great but that wasn't just a one season thing you know it stretched Mm -hmm. out the entire series and like it still goes on in the comics in Korra Mm -hmm. whatever he's still continuing to learn and I think that like with Azula it would kind of almost be a disservice to her character to try and fit a redemption arc into like one book absolutely yeah like if they were to make a spinoff for Azula it would have to be its own show and it would have to be her living her life and here and there you get little pieces of like okay like I see her picking up another little piece of herself and putting it in place and like slowly slowly she's healing 
but the the overarching arc of the show itself would have to be something different than her piecing herself together, you know? Yeah. Like, there would have to be some other story that binds the whole show together. Or if you wanted to make, like, a one-season arc for Azula, it's, like, so obvious that a prologue would be much better as, like, a one-season show than an epilogue. Yeah, I agree. Um, also, when we were watching the show together, I couldn't help but think about, like, the AU we drafted together, where it's like, what if Zuko and Katara's, like, reconciliation went a different route? And, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's so hard watching it now, knowing what could have been. I know. But, I mean, it's still good. I still kind of like the way that Katara and Zuko's, I guess, partnership plays out. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is bad, but the Agni Kai, um, I, um, I don't really like the Agni Kai that much. (laughs) I think it's fine. I think it's a little bit too dramatic. Like, they do. When I was younger, I would be like, why is this music so slow? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's just, like, kind of weird. Like, it almost doesn't really fit in with the rest of what's going on. Yeah. I will say, even though I still think the music is kind of weird and I wish it were action music, it does do something to make me reflect on Azula and Zuko. So I'm like, okay, thanks for helping me do that. Yeah, but also it's But also, why is this music slow? (laughs) (laughs) It's also hard because I know that it's not going to be resolved in this Agni Kai because I don't think Zuko can kill Azula or I don't think Azula can kill Zuko or she probably could but it would not be a good ending to her story yeah so it just feels a little bleh yeah also I will say okay but to the Agni Kai's credit it does do a great job of showing that, like, Azula is made up of these different pieces, and even though she's really struggling in the realm of, like, who am I now, what am I doing now, all these things, there's, like, her autopilot mode where, like, her natural ability still completely shines through, and she's, like, still a firebending prodigy, she's, like, still all these things, and is absolutely smashing it in this Agni Kai. Like, she's just holding her own completely. And Zuko's like, you know what? She's slipping. I bet I can take her. I'm like, I don't know. Kind of bold of you to assume. Yeah. And then he almost dies. He's so fucking stupid. He really was like, wow, I redelected lightning once. I am untouchable. Come at me, bro. I'm like, who do you think you are? I hate it when he stands in front of her and, like, takes a deep breath and she's like, loading up i'm like what is this is this what an agni kai is oh Zuko's like God. i can handle it throw it throw it at me i can i can do it it makes me think about how i was like you never think things through yeah i'm like oh yeah zuko truly is stupid he has one brain cell yeah and like sokka like we i i mentioned this in the boiling rock it's very fun to watch zuko and sokka be like very smart and also so dumb but in in this moment this crucial moment sokka steps it up right Mm -hmm. zuko no he's just stupid he's too weak to his family you know like he's like oh azula i'm I'm gonna beat you shoot lightning at me i'm like 
bro. Bro, if I was Katara watching this, I'd be like, why? Who? Yeah. What is he doing? He's so stupid. Also, why is Katara standing in the ring where they're dueling? Plot yeah. convenience? Katara's just, like, waiting there, like, oh, go Zuko. Yeah. Mm. Firebend. Like. Yeah. Oh, my God. Don't even get me started on when, like, Azula lightnings at Katara. Like. Yeah. It's like, okay. And then when Zuko jumps in front and just straight to his heart. Straight to his heart. Zuko's like, oh, let me catch it all right here. Let me just (laughs) die. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, the, the... Katara and Azula last little sequence is so awesome. How could you not love that part? Dude, so many people are like, well, Katara only beat Azula because Azula was unhinged. Like, Azula didn't even use Sozin's Comet. I'm like, yeah. Okay, did you see that Agni Kai they were fighting? They obviously used Sozin's Comet. If anything, I think Katara was excellent in this battle. Because, you know, a big thing about, I guess, like, fighting is that you have to know your opponent, you know? And Mm -hmm. Katara knew Azula was unhinged. That's why she was always on the defense. Mm -hmm. And it it makes me kind Mm -hmm. of upset when people are like, well, she only won because Azula wasn't at her best. But I think Mm -hmm. even if Azula was at her best, Katara would find a way to, like beat her I guess because mm, I just think that Azula wouldn't see Katara as a direct threat when there's Sozin's Comet and Zuko is like out of commission you know Mm. I don't know I feel like that's so beside the point to be like she only won because she's unhinged like that's exactly it she's unhinged and Katara assessed the situation and did what needed to be done yeah you know like, whatever would happen in not the scenario is completely beside the point. And especially following Iroh's talk about, like, destiny, like, it, it feels like Crossroads of Destiny. You know, in Crossroads of Destiny, you feel like finally all these different plot points are converging and, like, culminating in this episode. It feels like that, like, destiny really led them here to this exact moment in this exact scenario and so we take it for what it is you know we're not going to be like well what if this because that's not what happened yeah i agree cool that's all i really have to say about that okay i kind of want to talk about Sokka, suki toff because they're awesome and i think they were bad best best subgroup they really pulled through like without them dare i say it the Earth Kingdom would be burnt ashes. to a crisp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They took out like all the ships. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Also, like that scene where Toph does the and then she like bends oh. the metal around. She's so cool. She's an icon. I love her. I'm so glad she invented metal bending. So is Sokka, you know? <laughs> I think it's so funny whenever he's, like, praising Toph, you know? Yeah. Dude, this sequence is so... Okay, first of all, Sokka, Sof... Sof? Sof? <laughs> <laughs> Sokka, Toph, and Suki, best characters. And they're all together in the sequence, and not only are they amazing individually, but the way they all interact is incredible. Yeah. We know Sokka and Suki, great pair. Sokka and Toph, 
also awesome. Like, I don't know, there's kind of like a big brother vibe. And the way that like every single time they're moving, Sokka instinctually grabs Toph and like leads her or like when they fall onto the top of an airship, he immediately covers her with his body. Like whatever like friendship, relationship, closeness that they've built over the past like two seasons it just is like really shining in this moment like in the critical moment they're really just on it then Suki and Toph the two badass females of the series just you know doing things like flying the ship taking over the what's it called the control room like all these things that they're doing it's just non-stop everything they do is incredible I love it I think they play off each other so well you know Sokka and Suki have that trust because they're awesome. Uh, <laughs> Toph and uh, Sokka have that trust because they're also awesome. And mm-hmm. Suki and Toph have that trust because... You guessed it, they're awesome. Yeah, man. I really like also the way that it makes sense why they're all there together. Because like I feel like Toph is like the muscle, you know? Mm-hmm. And Sokka, obviously, the brains. Mm -hmm. And Suki is almost both. Because, let's face it, she has the brains. She also has the muscle. The fact that she, like, came back and was, like, conquering an airship by herself. I know. Iconic. Bro, Toph had to metal bend that rudder, right? She was like, metal bending it suki she comes back she's like pulling ropes what is she even doing how did she control that airship that's it's a blimp dude that's crazy she's just really cool yeah um i kind of wish she was in her kiyoshi warrior outfit Mm. because i think that really would have tied it together but you know beggars can't be choosers as we were watching it we were kind of mentioning how the agni kai was like "Mm, okay but the, the moment when Sokka and Toph, like, when their story really comes to a head, is so sad. It, like, really, really, really gets me. Especially because, like, how desperate they are. Like, Sokka broke his leg. He's, like, barely hanging on to Toph. Like, that close-up where her fingers mm-hmm. are, like, slipping through and he, like, grabs it again. Mm-hmm. It's so sad. And, mm-hmm. like, Space Sword is gone. No, not Space Sword. Boomerang isn't coming back. No, not Boomerang. And it's like, you know, throughout the series, Toph has never really cried before. Unless you mm-hmm. count Tales of Ba Sing Se. <laughs> but in this scene, you know, it's the end. They don't say that it's the end, but they know that it's the end. And, like, Toph is, like, crying because she knows... Wait, doesn't he literally say, I think this is the end? Oh, what the... <laughs> JK sure. then. Either way, you know, it's so sad. It's so sad. And they both probably thought that they failed. Yeah. And... And Aang wasn't back at that point. Oh, yeah. Wow, that sucks. Aang is kind of an asshole. This lion turtle? <laughs> I know! He's like, fuck all the other people. Hey, Aang, let's go. Um... Mm-hmm. Like, just the way that we saw them in the last, like, five minutes, depending on each other 100%. They, like, absolutely 100% have each other's backs. Except in this moment, Sokka physically cannot. He can't fully have her back. And, like, at some point, it'll, like, their hands will slip and Toph will fall. Like, 
No, it's so sad. But then Suki comes, so that's cool. It almost is like, <laughs> where did she come from? You know? But also, I believe yeah. it. She's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but honestly, without them, like, Earth King, Rip, you know? They did so much. And they did so much. They did all of that without knowing if Aang would come back. I mean, mm-hmm. he does come back, and they're like, look, it's Aang, you know? But, like, imagine yeah. trying to complete that mission knowing that basically the fate of the world is, like, on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And I think it's also notable, like, how not according to plan their mission goes. Like, by the time they reach the fleet, the fleet is already taking off. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, okay, we gotta do something fucking crazy. Plan B, let's go. But the their ship crashes into the first ship before they're at the top. And because of that, they get split apart. And then, like, Sokka's leg gets injured and all these things. But they still pull it off. And they're just, like, really flying by the seat of their pants, you know? Mm-hmm. But, you know, they get it done. I don't know how, but they're just awesome. Okay, I take it back. Actually, when Sokka is like, this is the end talk, Aang, by that point, is already fighting Ozai. So, never mind. (laughs) I'm thinking about how, like, Aang's is supposed to be, like, the big thing. Like, he's fighting the man in charge. And they're like, oh, once we get rid of this man in charge, there will be peace. The war will be over. But also, like, he's out there fighting Ozai. And the other people are still raising the Earth Kingdom to the ground. Yeah. So, who's the real MVP here? Someone tell me. I agree. Um, you know, I just think that they're so awesome, and they're the ones who really pulled through, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, sorry, Zuko, but you kind of <laughs> dropped the ball on that one when you decided to fight Azula by yourself. <laughs> but I think, though, because Zuko's natural next step is to immediately after Aang defeats Fire Lord, like, take the throne, he needs to get rid of the last little wisps of his personal demons, or at least get himself to a good enough space to make that possible. So he, he was putting in work. But, you know, everyone, like, they're taking down an entire air fleet, and he's, like, fighting his personal demons. I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay, you can do fight you your do. personal demons, but do that on your own time, man. <laughs> <laughs> Come on! <laughs> Yeah. This is finale level shit. You can't just... Oh my gosh. But it's okay. Katara pulled through. No, dude. It's destiny. Yeah. Yeah, if Zuko had lost just then, it would have been like, oh. And okay, Zuko would have been like, be Fire Lord now. <laughs> and she like comes yeah. and defeats all of them because she's crazy. Um. Yeah. Okay. I honestly don't have anything else to say. I think that like, you know... You're forgetting a very, very large chunk and that is Ba Sing Se. The White Lotus taking oh, back blessings. Say, I'm shocked. How could I forget? Oh my god! <laughs> and Zuko's reconciliation with his uncle, I guess. Yeah, I don't care about that. Anyways, no. Why did you say that? Because it's like fine. But now you're a Zuko auntie. No, I stand Zuko, but mm, the reconciliation is like it's weird. It's it's it. the first time watching. I. I cried a lot, and I really felt it, but it's like, the way the new voice actor voices Iroh, it just, like, feels like an impression, so the more I watch it, the more it kind of takes me out, and it's, like, not trying to diss him because, you know, those are some pretty big shoes to fill, it's just, like, I'm not as invested anymore as I used to be. 
Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way about the the second voice actor, which is kind of rude of me because he's every bit as much Iroh as Mako was. Yeah. But it does feel like an impression, so I feel a little silly when I'm watching, like, Iroh's stuff. But come on, like, compared to the prison scenes when Zuko for no reason is blowing up and Iroh just won't look at him, like, after all those big blow-ups that Iroh had in seasons one and two, he, like, had to be like, all right, like, there's nothing more for me to do. Zuko is going to take this space. And then, like, Zuko comes back and he's ripened, you know? And I was like, all right, cool. Now you can talk to me again. It's so good. Like, even though Zuko has come so far on his own, there's still some things that he can't fully give to himself, you know? Like, his uncle's forgiveness literally has to come from his uncle. That sounds obvious. But, like, you know, he's made it this far, but still he's like, how can you forgive me so quickly? And part of like his journey, I think, is learning the difference between someone being like unforgivably angry at you and then like unconditional love. Where I was like, you know, actually, I like wasn't really angry. I just wanted you to come to this place. But like the whole time, he still loved Zuko. Okay, yeah, that's true. Actually, okay, you know when he enters the tent and Iroh is sleeping, and you're like, why is Iroh sleeping? Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about it a lot, and my first instinct was like, oh, it softens the blow, so it's not as scary for Zuko at first. But actually what it does is it kind of switches the power dynamic, because if Iroh were awake and Zuko had stepped in, it's Iroh's space, and he's commanding it, and Zuko steps into it as like a guest, right? But since Zuko sits there all night, he has time to kind of like ruminate in it, and it's Iroh who wakes up and enters the space that Zuko's occupying. So really it's like Zuko gets to... Not that he gets to do it in his own terms, but, like, not only does he have time, but he also takes some of the power, I guess. Like, it's not unbalanced. Wow, that's, like, a really interesting point to make, because it is true. Hmm. Um, it's, it's a lot. I think the reconciliation is definitely necessary in order to like you know close that chapter of Zuko um Mm -hmm. but also I think that it's good because okay so when they kind of have to go seek out Iroh I was like well this is a little random you know but Mm -hmm. I recognize that they need to seek out Iroh so that that reconciliation can take place but also we get to see that they're not alone in this war, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I think that for a lot of the series, it kind of felt like it was like the kids against the world where they were doing Mm -hmm. most of the fighting. But there's also an entire group of people who feel the same way that they do and want the war to end as much as they Mm do. So seeing that representation in that like old person camp i'm kind of like oh you know not only is it reassuring to me it must be so reassuring to them that's a great point so i think it's good this show said fuck middle-aged people the young people the old people they care about it but guess who's middle-aged ozai (laughs) (laughs) and then they were like oh man we need to step it up so everyone in Korra is now middle-aged oh yeah yeah that's a really good point I love that they take the time to, or that they give Iroh the time to say his little thing, like, I always thought that I would be 
taking Ba Sing Se for the Fire Nation, but now I realize it was always my destiny to take it, but actually I'm taking it back from the Fire Nation. The way he gets to say that and then we get to spend time with them wordlessly, like, you know, just doing the work is so good. Destiny is like a big thing in this show, you know? And um, Mm -hmm. it's like, I think that another big thing in response to like destiny is that like a lot of the time it's really you who kind of like makes the path you know so it's like mm-hmm. for Iroh almost like yeah he definitely had this vision of what his destiny was but he had to kind of still craft that path because first he tried to take it during like the war in the name of the fire nation and he like lost a son because of it and then it's like he enters bossing mm-hmm. say again as like a tea shop owner and he loses mm-hmm. another son like in zuko and then it's like finally this time it's like he's almost doing it right because he's like learned kind of from each attempt and now mm-hmm. he has zuko there with him and he's finally able to, I guess, like, mm. achieve mm-hmm. his destiny or fulfill it. Blah. That's so beautiful. Very beautifully put. I also love when Zuko asks Iroh, like, what are you going to do? And he says, I'm going to reclaim my tea shops and I'm going to play pie show every day. As he should. Exactly. Exactly. But then yeah. he goes to the spirit world and... Oh, don't talk about that. Have a good time. <laughs> but yeah, and then, bro, order the white lotus just order the white lettuce. <laughs> order the white lettuce steps into Bossing Se and just eats it up. Boomy's like Bossing Se. <laughs> <laughs> he like is fighting. He pops out of his little hole and he's like, "Ooh, tanks!" Whoa. <laughs> I just think it's so funny that all the old people just know each other in the yeah. Atlan universe. That's like, awesome. What? Secret well, really society the, of old people? It's not just the old people. It's like the great masters. You know, like, Grand Grand doesn't know Pian Dao, but, well, Grand Grand knows um, Paku. Yeah, that, so that, that. technically. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's so sick, though, how they just, like, work together so seamlessly. Yes. Like, Paku bends the yes. waterfall, and then it's ice, and then Pian Dao, and, like, they're all just, like, going ham, basically. Yes. Except, is Pian Dao an old man? I know, seriously. Also my question. He talks like this! <laughs> um, that kind of is the same, like, I get a little charmed when I see people working together like that. And I saw it a lot in Boiling Rock. Like, you see it in Team Avatar where, like, one person will advance and then kind of, like... Like, Kasaka and Pian Dao, since they're sword, they're, like, short range, right? And then other things like firebending are, like, long range. And when Sokka and Zuko were fighting together on top of the gondola and the Boiling Rock, uh, Sokka would advance, but then he would kind of, like, retreat. And then Zuko would do some of, like, the long range stuff. And just the way that they would move around each other. Very charming to me as a viewer. Yeah. They all kind of blend so seamlessly together. Mm-hmm. I love the part right before they break the wall when when they're who's it Iroh I think is breathing and you see the fire like growing around the thing because I'm like yes they are the white lotus yes they are masters and old and stick to the like traditions of bending and understand that fire comes from the breath. 
not yeah. your angry fists. Yeah. You know, good reminder. It's also funny because, like, it, it would, like, um, show the image of the comet, and I was like, I feel the heat <laughs> from the comet. Mm-hmm. Overall, 10 out of 10 scene. Totally agree. These guys are on a whole nother level. So, I really don't have anything else to say. Oh, come on. We cannot talk about the light show. No! Okay, 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 okay. So, (laughs) I think... Okay, I'm going to do a rapid fire of my thoughts. Okay. Okay. Um, I really think that it's an awesome moment when Aang hits the scar on his back and it's like ooh we mm. see all the past lives and they get angry mm. and then he forms his little pokey ball I think mm. that bending is really cool animation team mwah, thank you for your hard work that light show <laughs> I hate it it's so stupid not only is it a light show why does their body have to be encased by like the colors that they represent yeah and why does like the orange start to leech onto Aang and like yeah like not only does it look Ooh. stupid conceptually pretty weak and execution there's literally no reason for the orange to go all the way like all over Aang's body except for a little spot in his eye and then it comes back like whoa blue like that's just for the drama and you know it imagine like Sokka, Suki, and Toph being like, oh, he's winning. Oh, 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 Aang, Aang. Oh, okay, he won. Dude, also the way that it's colored like orange and blue, there's no way that they can be like, wait, which one's which? Mm. You know? Like, that's so annoying. And it's like that never happens again. Like, yep. when Korra has to give them back their bending, she doesn't go into light show <laughs> Imagine mode. if it happened every time Amon took someone's bending away. Oh my god. Ugh, let's not talk about Amon. He uses blood bending somehow, which I don't yeah, get I don't it, know. man. Okay, that's it. Okay, I do want to talk about the last scenes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For sure. Okay, why are there, like, seven different endings? Okay, yeah. Agreed. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, you know how we were talking about how the recap for Sozin's Comet was, like, so long? Yeah. They were like, oh, we need to remind them of this so that when we show all of the seven endings at the end, they're like, wow, full circle. <laughs> yeah. Like, ending one, he says, Ozai, where is my mother? He equals Zuko. Okay, wait, let me start over. Ending one, Zuko says, Where is my mother? Ending two, Sokka's making a nice painting. Ending three, Aang and Katara hug. Oh, and then ending four, Aang and Katara kiss? And then it ends? Oh, that's just disrespectful. Excuse me, ending five, also when Zuko addresses all the representation of the nation. yeah. Wow, there's too many to keep track of. There's also that little segment beforehand where he, like, meets May, and May's like... That is not an ending. Imagine. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I actually kind of like you. The end. The end. (laughs) Okay, taking it back. But definitely there's, like, five endings. That's literally how it does end, except that it's Aang and not Zuko. Oh, that's so annoying. I, I don't know. Okay, I think that... The um, tea house one, great ending. If it was just like the end, I would have been like, oh, so cute, you know? 
the Katang moment yes. too much, too romantic. These 12 year olds, I do not need to see this. Every time I watch it, the hug was cute. Yeah. Every time I watch it, I'm like, no, no, don't kiss. Oh, phew, they just hugged. Oh, okay, good. No, what's this? What's this? And then they kiss, and I'm like, no. Especially because it really just like ties in with the music. It's like, dun, dun, yeah. dun, dun. And then they turn, and then they start to kiss, and it's like, I'm like, okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure their last conversation about their romance was Katara being like, I said I was like confused. Yeah. Suddenly she's not confused. <sighs> I whatever, whatever. She's like, oh, he like saved the world. That's so annoying. Like, okay, I understand why there might be like two endings and like a ooh spin-off opportunity. That being the ending for the world, like the resolution that concerns the whole world, or at least the parties involved in the war. That's Aang and Zuko, our friends now, and they're addressing everyone. And then there's the personal ending, which is the painting. It's all the characters, not all, but a lot of the characters that we got to know and love, what Team Avatar grew into, and that's wrapped up for us too. And then spin-off potential, I guess you can put Zuko confronting Ozai and asking where his mother is, right? But the Aang and Katara stuff, like... It's so annoying that that's the final, final, like, even after the painting. Because, like, that, to me, sends the message, actually, this is what the story's been about the whole time. When it was not, that was not ever the main conflict or point or anything. At least in my mind. Mm, I I don't know, man. It's like... I get that they need to have their big kiss moment because that's just how the where the world works, I guess. But like couldn't they have done that like after the battle's been resolved? Cuz like, you know, we see Sokka, Toph, and Suki come up to like Aang and Ozai, but like mm-hmm. when do Zuko and Katara meet up with the rest of them? I feel like it would be good to have that mm. kiss when they finally meet up again. Because mm-hmm. then I would be like, okay, I guess this kind of makes sense. But instead, it's just like, oh, they walk out onto a balcony and they just hug for a second and then suddenly they have telepathy and they kiss. <sighs> but whatever, it's cute, I guess. Overall, mm-hmm. great series. Series finale? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty good. Okay, I think what we should do is do ratings in her, whichever way we're going to do it and then reflect on the series and this segment of our podcast as a whole. <sighs> How are we gonna- are we gonna rate? Yeah, how should we rate it? You know, fuck it. I'm just gonna give one rating. One rating for okay. Sozin's Comet. If I had to rate Sozin's Comet, I would give it- I'll give it a 4.5 lion <laughs> turtles out of 5. Wow, it's kind of low. I'm shocked. You know, I was thinking about it and I was like, well, it's only part one that's bad, but then I realized we talked a lot about, like, stuff we don't like in part two, and so I think it's really part three that's really good. Yeah. Um, okay, I would give it, like, a 4.7 fully realized Avatar Pokeballs out of five. 
Um, I almost gave it a 4.8 though, because even though I think one is super boring and we found a lot of like very weak points in a lot of the parts, I have a soft spot for the show. I think it's a great ending. It does the show justice and I am 100% willing to suspend my disbelief for however long it takes for me to just like not think about it and just enjoy this finale. So I'd go for like a 4.8. bro but then like if i were to if i were to pick the um subplots apart i would give like sakasuki toff like a 4.9 i would give ang and ozai like a generous 4.1 but it's only (laughs) because they have cool fights you know yeah 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 Yeah. um so what did what did you think about our remix watch through i think something that i feel like uh maybe keeps coming up maybe not um that I just really, really, really want to say is that, again, I've watched this show, like, I've said 10 times, I've said 20 times, like, realistically, it's probably around, like, this podcast, okay, something I just really want to say, kind of in our final moments of our Atla the Remix wiki wiki segment, um, is this podcast has seriously changed the way that I look at this show like obviously my love for it stays pretty unwavering you know but I've always just kind of like watched it to enjoy and taking the time to be like let's think about it like I want to look at it with a critical eye I started noticing so many crazy things like oh this is awesome Ooh, like this is kind of weak and all that stuff so I'm very glad that we did this um and I think now upon my future re-watchings of which there will be many um I think I'll be having a different experience with the show and then just in general I think we did a lot of roasting and a lot of not roasting too a lot of just like praise and admiration and love and I just want to say that all of that the intention behind it is like to pay how do you say this word? Homage? Yeah. Homage? Homage? Homage. Homage to the show um, and express my love and admiration for it. And I don't know if it came through as love and admiration always because some of it was pretty sizzling roasts, but I do love this show a lot and I'm very grateful that the people who made it made it. Yeah. Um, going into it, you know, I, mm, I wouldn't call myself necessarily, like, a super fan of the show. I am definitely a fan of the show, but I think that, like, I've never seriously sat down to watch the series fully. Um, I think, honestly, I've only watched it, like, twice in completion, like, start to end, isn't that crazy yeah no because remember i always skip certain episodes i just don't like um so for me you know i kind of felt a little insecure about my avatar knowledge um which i think somehow came in handy because i was like not super uh what do you call it like i i didn't have a strong attachment to the show where I could just like be like this is okay you know um so I think that watching it again kind of made me feel like I have a new appreciation for it and um it really is like a great show you know 
Um, yeah. I think that it was really fun. Would do again, except I would not do worst and best. I would obviously only watch episodes I would want to watch. <laughs> I mean, by the end, we got so tired of watching the worst episodes that we were like, oh my god, no, let's just watch anything. Yes. Dude, remember when we watched The Avatar State? That was not no. fun. Or like... <laughs> Oh, but actually, it was kind of funny because there were so many episodes where I was like, I hate this episode. But then when we would watch it, I was like, wait, why was that kind of fun? Like when yeah, we watched so Jet true. and like when we watched yeah. like the Blue Lake Spirit. Lao oh, guy. Not, not the Blue Spirit. Why did I say the Blue Spirit? Um, Blue Spirit's a great episode. Yeah. Though. But Lake Lao guy was one of them for me. Mm-hmm. I was so shocked by it. So maybe I would do it again. Who knows? Um, that's the end for Atla. I think next week we're going to start our newest segment, which I'm so excited for. Ooh, should we reveal it? Okay, yeah, let's reveal it. (laughs) (laughs) No one's listening, who cares? So true. We're going to be watching season two of Glee. Glee! (laughs) Specifically season two. The best season. Nothing before, nothing after. Just season two. Yeah. I think, aren't we going to start bringing a guest? Yeah. I don't know for how many episodes, but however many she wants to be on. So yeah, we're going to start off with episode one of season two next week, which I can't remember what happens in it. So hopefully it'll be fun. See you then. Boy. Bye bye.